build a pitch deck, uh, Google pitch deck and find a way to build your pitch deck. And the reason for that is who knows, you might need to go out and get funding. So that's the first reason you might want it. But the, the main reason is, is it really does bring home and drive home what it is you do, why you do it and why somebody should care. And, and it, because if you do a good pitch deck, you, you touch on your, your financing, your marketing, your operations, you, you've, your founders, you've, you've touched on every single thing in a very short time frame, of course, but, but it's incredibly valuable. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Tom McGillan. And uh, Tom, we're going to talk a lot about uh, breaking into a, an, an industry that otherwise might have a monopoly. And in this case, it'd be more of the legal industry. So Tom's not an attorney, as far as I'm aware, unless he corrects me otherwise, but he uh, is uh, providing a lot of uh, services in the legal industry with regards to divorce and uh, providing kind of an alternative approach to that. And with that, you know, having to break into the legal industry where attorneys are going to be, um, you know, holding on to that very tight. And I play both sides because I'm also an attorney, uh, but also talking about how you educate the audience about what or whether or not they need the experts, how you might break or break into the marketing and what the, those approaches might be and how you do guerrilla marketing. So it'll be a great conversation. Definitely looking forward to it. And with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Tom. Thanks for having me, Devin. It's great to be here. So I just kind of gave a quick run through of a lot of the topics we'll be uh, covering and talking about, but kind of before we dive into that, maybe give the uh, audiences a little bit of your background, why you know what you're talking about, what or what your experience is, and where you come from. Well, the way we got here is, is uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs, probably, it wasn't by design. Uh, I never intended to be in the legal business, let alone the divorce business. No, I am not an attorney. From your intro, I want to make that very clear. I don't practice law. I don't play an attorney on TV. But what happened was that after uh, 18 years of marriage, my my wife uh, decided that her boyfriend was more important than our marriage, and therefore a divorce was pending. And I had been divorced about 20 years earlier and decided that divorce cost me 18 months of my life and about $40,000. And I thought, you know what, if it's about to happen again, I just don't want to go through the pain and the the money and the time. There had to be a better way. So I created a plan. And by following my plan, my wife and I were able to have our paperwork ready to file within 48 hours. And it cost us nothing. Now, it's important to understand that the average divorce in the U.S. takes 11 months and costs $11,000 in attorney's fees. And since there is a divorce finalized every 42 seconds, that's $8 billion a year and that's that legal monopoly that you talked about. Those attorneys, they want to hold on to that $8 billion. And I don't blame them. Sure. 
So now you say, okay, I'm finding myself, uh, you know, having to go through divorce. There's, you know, it's kind of the perpetual or every, you know, inventor, wannabe inventor. So there's got to be a better way. And you have your eureka moment, so to speak. And then you get to work and building your software. And, uh, you know, you guys have now launched and you have the software there and you're, and you're um, working to, you know, to break into the market. And kind of as we alluded to or talked just briefly about, you know, legal industry. And I'll be the first one to agree that there is a monopoly now. I can defend. I can defend both sides of it, and probably like any attorney, as to why it makes sense to some degree to have a legal, legal monopoly, and why it also is detrimental on other ends. And so there's probably pros and cons on both ends. But nonetheless, you're saying, okay, I'd like to, you know, break into this industry. I think this is a product and a service a lot of people can use, and it'll be worthwhile. Saves them time, money, heartache, and expense. Those type of things. And now, how did you kind of go about? breaking into the legal industry because most people kind of as we chatted a little bit before the podcast most people have the idea that you need going into an attorney to get a divorce so how did you kind of go about correcting that perception well the first step of that was correcting it in my own mind of course uh, i was like i said i had been divorced 20 years earlier uh, but when i when this second divorce came around i was sitting in my hotel room after being separated for about four weeks, and I realized that things were going south. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. So I sat up all night and I wrote up basically a project plan. Uh, I've been in business for 30 years, so I, you know, I'm familiar with project plans. So I wrote up a project plan, and that's how I treated my divorce. I didn't treat it as a legal action or, or anything else. I treated it as a project that needed to be completed by two parties. My ex-wife is a product manager, so she too is very familiar with the concept of a project plan and getting through things. And so when I sat down with her uh, two days before Thanksgiving in 2019 and said, are you willing to follow this plan? She said yes. A few days later, I, well, actually the very next day, I sent the completed plan to an attorney friend and I said, we're ready to get a divorce. Can you draw up the paperwork? And he called me and he said, where did you find this plan? I said, I made it up. And he said, if you could package this, you'd put every divorce attorney in the country out of business. And that's where the idea was born. Now, I want to be very clear. I don't believe that I'm going to put every divorce attorney out of business. I think that there's a very big need for divorce attorneys. I just think that the need has been uh, ballooned beyond where it's actually required and I, I tend to use TurboTax as an, an analogy, if nothing else. Pre-online taxes, people did their taxes by themselves or they hired an accountant. Those were the two options. But then TurboTax comes along and changes the paradigm. Accountants aren't out of business. They are still needed. They're just needed in more complex cases. And I think that's exactly the way it works for divorces. They're not divorce attorneys are not going away and nor do I want them to. No, but and I, I, and I agree with you. Cause I mean, I think, and I think that that's the, where you get the attorneys that tend to think too highly of themselves. And I, I, again, I play both sides of the field, but in the one sense, you know, another one analogy I'll use is legal zoom, right? So legal zoom is out there. Now half the time when you talk to attorneys, like, well, we're just going to ignore it. Pretend that it's not there, but it's still a big industry. And kind of like that, you know, if you're doing something simple, as an example, an LLC, you, you don't need, if you, you know, if you're doing a complex business structure, you're doing something that requires more complex, I wouldn't recommend LegalZoom. If all you have is, hey, I have an idea, I want to pursue it, and I want to try and get it up and going, and I want to have an LLC so somebody doesn't come take my house away if I get sued, 
Right. EagleZoom is probably not a bad option. It's less expensive. If it's just a kind of a cookie cutter, I'm getting a business up and going. I really don't have much complexity. It's me and my spouse or me and a business partner, and that's it. Then there's a, a need for it. So it, it sounds like kind of that same thing with divorce. If you're getting into a very, you know, painful divorce where you can't get along, there's a lot of assets, you're disputing a lot of things, it's going to be a lot of back and forth, there's fight over the kids, everything else, you're probably going to need an attorney on your side to make or fight that good fight. On the other hand, you're making it what would be at least an amicable or reasonable separation to where you're not going to need all of that complexity, you're not going to be fighting over all those things, and you can work out a reasonable plan, then it sounds like, you know, that it kind of fits that same or that same uh, structure. Absolutely correct. And I always say, if you think about it, in order for OurDivorce.com to work, there, there are several things that need to fall into place. First off, if either or both parties for that matter, but if either party gets greedy or contentious or wants to fight just to fight, mm-hmm. we're not going to do it for them. That's when, by at that point, get your money out and hire a great attorney. But if both parties want to work together and don't want to spend the $11,000, and again, that's just an average. Um, Yeah, I mean, it can go much higher than that, I promise. But because it can go so much higher, it's worth giving it a try if both of you at least profess to want to get through it amicably. No, and I think that's that's a great point. Now, we could go into the... You're, it's an area where I, I think it's very interesting and in doing DIY type of legal products and DIY kind of gets it. Well, you're going to do it yourself and I have no idea. And I think that it's not, you know, maybe it's not quite DIY, but it's guided, you know, guided legal products. Then I think that that's definitely um, an area I could spend all day talking about, but, you know, refocusing just a bit on the area of expertise. So sure. now you have this under, you understand that that, you know, that there isn't an attorney, you know, you don't have to have an attorney. There are options, at least for those that are going to amicably separate or that aren't going to have a, a contentious separation and a divorce. Now, how do you break into an industry? And it's, even if it's that's true, there's a difference between public perception or people's perception of how you get a divorce what you, other or versus what's actually reality. So how do you start to make inroads or, you know, make the jump to actually educating people or getting people to realize this is another option? Yeah, that's, that, it's a great question. And I'm glad we're here to talk about it because, and, and I think this goes for any, any industry, any entrepreneur, you, the first thing you have to do is educate your audience. And in my case, like I said, I had to educate myself first. And then once I was convinced that I could do this, then it's how do you convince there are 750,000 divorces in the U.S. every single year. Not all of them are going to fit, but some of them will. And I don't know which ones they are. But the challenge was finding those that fit before they get to an attorney. Because the attorney, of course, is going to convince them that they can't do it. So, As they rightly should. If they want to stay in business, they're going to convince you need an attorney. Just like the car salesman is going to convince you, you need a new car. Right. And they're also going to tell you you shouldn't use Carvana or any of the other dealer non-dealerships. Right. I mean, I totally get it. I don't blame them. I don't, I don't spite them for doing what they have to do to stay in business. Which is, but it, it's a, it becomes incumbent upon me to find those customers before they find an attorney. And so we, we decided that we had to go and blanket the world with brand recognition. But we didn't have a lot of cash. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, we, you know, it's not like I had $50 million to buy a Super Bowl ad. Uh, that would be nice. But we, so we knew that we had to kind of go 
and more of a guerrilla tactic. And so we have a four prong marketing approach. The first one started in September of 2020 when we published our first TikTok. Now I will tell you that TikTok is not what you would consider a traditional marketing avenue for a divorce service. That being said, uh, the hashtag divorce talk, uh, T-O-K, um, has hundreds of millions of views. Um, the hashtag our divorce just hit 24 million views. So we're doing roughly 2 million views a month on just our own hashtag. And so we've become very successful and I'm happy to announce that as of this morning, we literally just about two hours ago hit 100,000 viewers and 2 million likes on our videos. So we, we have carved out a niche, if you will, on TikTok where we have created a good mix of advertising and inspiration. And what that does is uh, roughly 2 million views a month, as I said, generates between five and 10,000 site visitors every single month to our website. That's a marketer's dream because it costs me literally nothing. I spend between, I don't know, 10 and 15 minutes a day creating a new TikTok, and that's all we do. And that's what brings in most of our site visitors. So that was our first thing. Everything we do has to be kind of a guerrilla marketing campaign because number one, we don't have to cash. Hmm. Uh, and number two, the attorneys do. So they're going to do everything that they can to discredit us. And I understand that. Now, let the, me ask kind of on that TikTok approach, because I, you know, I, I'm a, you know, market, I, I love the business and the marketing side of a law firm. And yet I've always looked at it and said, it doesn't seem like it fits for a law firm model. In other words, you know, people are typically wanting to have an attorney that has a level of I don't know, sophistication or professionality or whatever it is. In other words, hey, if I'm going to go pay an attorney all this money, I want to, I want them to, you know, be worth it, so to speak, or have that perception. And TikTok has always been a bit more informal and videos and definitely has its place. But it seems like for a lot of times, law firms, I've seen a few law firms that have started to get into it, haven't been very successful. The TikTok hasn't been a very good platform for law firms. And yeah, it sounds like for you guys, it's been a a great platform. So how did you kind of bridge that gap to where law, most law firms have struggled on it, whereas you've made good inroads and had success? Well, I, I think luck had a lot to do with it, to be honest. I wish that I could say that I spent a bunch of time researching it, but we, we put out a TikTok and you never know, right? You never know what your TikTok is going to do. It's just like posting anything on Facebook or anything else. Maybe you're going to get 20 likes, maybe you're going to get zero. I was stunned. I posted on a Friday night. I woke up Saturday morning thinking maybe 10 or 20 people would have viewed it, but it had over a million views um, in just over 12 hours. And so it was it was quite shocking to me. Uh, but what that meant was, well, now we kind of had a tiger by the tail. And, and that's what we had to work with. So that's when I started doing actual research. And I did find that there are I don't want to say hundreds, but there are dozens at least uh, divorce attorneys and divorce uh, firms that that do have successful TikTok accounts. And I follow all of them. They follow me. And we've actually become fairly good friends. I've actually referred business to several of them, uh, which I think is also an important thing, because, like I said, I'm not trying to put anyone out of business. And collaborative family law is a is the fastest growing segment of family law right now attorneys are realizing not everyone wants to fight. And so I'm building a stable of collaborative law attorneys right now that I can refer business to. I don't make any money on it, but I want to help people. That's kind of the bottom line. And we're trying to be very genuine and authentic about that. 
No, and I think one of the other things you hit on is it's you, other attorneys that are divorce attorneys, it works well. And so just because, as an example, one guerrilla marketing plan works for one business doesn't mean it's the secret sauce or the secret combination for every other guerrilla marketing plan for every other business. In other words, and I'm not saying it wouldn't work for, but maybe it works great for divorce because, hey, everybody is divorced. TikTok, you know, is a great place. And maybe for immigration law or for, you know, or white collar crime, maybe that's not where you're, you know, the white collar crime type of individuals are looking at. But I think that same concept of one, you have to try things out. And two, you have to look for where the, where your people are going, or, you know, where your potential clients or customers are going to be and be able to resonate with them. So, one of the things you did was TikTok and kind of looking at your guerrilla marketing. Another one that you mentioned is you also, you know, you're on this podcast, obviously, but you also started your own podcast. So tell us a little bit kind of how that fit into the marketing plan for doing guerrilla marketing as well. Sure. So, again, all of this comes down to cost and brand exposure. The idea is that I'm not trying to convince anyone to get divorced, but hey, at any given point in time, someone's probably going to go through this, unfortunately. Therefore, I want the first thing that they think about is ourdivorce.com. And so to get that point across, we created our own podcast. It's called My Crazy Divorce. Hmm. Uh, we're available on every platform available, uh, Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Stitcher, all of them. And My Crazy Divorce, every single week, I interview a guest and I then narrate their story and they talk about their crazy divorce. We're talking about attempted murder. We're talking about poisoning. We're talking about um, arrests, false accusations, a million dollar divorce. Um, huh. Last week was a million dollar divorce. Um, and it, it never it never ends. And the reason we do it, ourdivorce.com is the exclusive sponsor of my crazy divorce. And and so what we've done is we have um, we basically we're highlighting how dumb it gets with the idea. And these, every one of these guests have said, if only we could have used our divorce.com. And then we, we juxtapose that we got this guy last week who spent a million dollars on his divorce. He could have spent $299 at our divorce.com. So again, it's, it's brand new. We've been at it for just five weeks. Now we're gaining a following. Um, I got a call from a friend of mine the other day who just found it by by chance and he binged all five episodes and was just oh my gosh I can't wait for it this coming week so we're gaining a following and that again it's virtually free I mean you know I mean you're a podcaster you know there are some costs involved but it's it's not that expensive sure I think that uh, that definitely makes sense and I I like it as I mean again I think one of the podcasts in general I think it's an as a, a very growing exploding area in the sense that People like to consume it when they go to work. It's a way to get more information, either for entertainment or for if you're like me, I listen to it for a lot of marketing and business ideas and for other ways to grow the business. But I think it's definitely a good way to highlight it um, and also to make connections and to grow the industry. So that's two. So we've got, tick, you know, four year guerrilla marketing, you've got TikTok, you've got started the own podcast. And I think you also got into affiliate marketing. Is that right? Yeah. So what we did, and we did this too early. I'll admit that openly. We started this way too early as we went out to several, we, we kind of got too big in our own heads and we thought we'd become TikTok influencers. So we reached out to some other TikTok influencers and signed them up as affiliates. And basically what we did is we paid them a commission for every couple that 
navigated our process and ended up paying us at the end. Cause that's the thing. We don't charge anything till the very end. Um, well, we had, I think it was about 12, I think it was 13 total affiliates that we had and they were all over the country. And of course they're on TikTok primarily doing their thing. We had this one lady, her name's Heather. And every time she opens her mouth, she gets about a half a million views. I don't know why, but she just has some magic. And so she started talking about our divorce and I got 40,000 hits on my website overnight, which is great. The problem was at the time we were only in like two states. Uh, and so we just started way too early. We're now in 12 states, which represent about 57% of all divorces in the U.S. And so we're getting closer, but we pulled back on our affiliate marketing program until we figure we want to be in at least 40 states. Uh, and we're adding about a state a month, maybe two, depending on how complicated they are. So we'll get there here sometime in 2022 as we'll be in 40 states and at that point, we'll relaunch our affiliate marketing program. It was just too successful, which is a really bizarre thing, but it it really got the word out very quickly. And it cost me again. It cost me nothing unless I got paid first. All about Gorilla. And it gave us incredible exposure. No, and I think that, you know, I think two things you highlighted sometimes, and I've done those programs where you get really excited about them. First of all, you get really excited about them. You don't think all the way through and they bomb, which is one, you know, one of the extreme or they do incredibly well, but to your point, if you're not set up for all of the people that are going to come through and they're use the process, it may not be that you're ready for that, you know, for that type of thing. So I think that definitely makes sense. But again, I like the idea of let's figure out different ways. Let's look for influencers. And again, I don't know, you know, I'm sure there are, and I'm probably in the wrong, I'm not in the divorce industry, so I don't know who those influencers would even begin to be, nor do I want to be in the divorce. I don't want to be or go through a divorce, so fingers crossed. Um, but I think that that make, definitely makes sense. Let's go to the influencers that you can have. They'll make that. They also need to be set up so that they match the what the services you provide or the areas that you do that. So, so that's number three. So you do TikTok. You do, um, you know, a podcast, you do affiliate marketing. And then the other one is you started advertising on other podcasts. Is that right? We are beginning that in the next month or so. We have chosen a few, uh, somewhere between 70 and 80% of divorces are filed by women. And so that is our demographic. So we are working with an ad agency right now, a podcast advertising agency to basically determine the best podcasts for us to advertise on. And one of the challenges we run into is that people, they hear what I talk about. They hear that we're trying to make it as easy as possible. And they think that we're glorifying divorce or that we're celebrating divorce or encouraging divorce. And we're doing none of those things. So our advertising has to be careful, I think is the right word. We have to be mindful that some people feel that way. And, you know, TurboTax isn't glorifying taxes. And so, so they've done a good job. Uh, we need to, as we go forward, advertising on other platforms, we have to be really good about making sure that we, we make that very clear. No, and I think it is that message. One of the interesting things kind of along those lines, just to kind of brought to mind was, so I've done, you know, no surprise to anybody that knows me, but I'm the member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or known as Mormons or LDS, and one of the small businesses, it's been kind of a fun family business, doesn't make a ton, has been some religious products just associated with the church and what we do and, and, and sell on just an e-commerce site, and one of the things we found is there's a very fine line 
between what you can or what you should say and what you shouldn't say as to whether the audience will resonate with it or whether they'll find offensive. Even though no offense is 10, it's not offensive content, but just how, you know, people will say, you know, what are the, I don't find that, you know, this is relevant or I don't find that funny or I don't find that you should be making those type of comments and there was nothing intended, but you know, along those same lines, the same with the podcast is just because there's a lot of podcasts out there, you can get a big audience or you can get it, you know, you can get it in front of a lot of people. You have to find those ones that are going to be the right audience or the ones that are going to resonate with and are going to, or the message is going to resonate with them. Because if all you do is get it in front of a whole bunch of people and saying, this has nothing to do with me, or I, to your point, Hey, I don't, I don't want this. feels like it's glorifying divorces. It doesn't do you any good just because you get it in front of a lot of a, pe- a lot of people. Right. And going back to those affiliates, by the way, that kind of brings up that point. The types of affiliates, it really doesn't matter if you think about it. Because again, it's just we need to cast the widest net possible. Because it's not about finding people who are of like mind or of a certain age or I mean, gender does matter to a certain extent. But the point is, if someone's going to get divorced someday, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now, I want them to think about ourdivorce.com. And that's really all we're doing with the affiliates. And and we still pay them, by the way. Those affiliates that um, we did have, we basically stopped. We asked them to stop. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Promoting mm-hmm. um, our, our website. But we still have people that show up because their videos still live on. <laughs> they might be a year old. Which is great on anything that's evergreen content, right? If it's up there, whether it's a podcast, blog post, or anything of that nature, is it continues to live on. So I definitely can see how, you know, one, I'm a big proponent of uh, guerrilla marketing. And I don't, you know, guerrilla marketing just sounds like, hey, we're going to go do something that others are not just because they're not doing it, which I think is not true in the sense that you still have to be methodical. You still have to think, why is this going to work? You have to have a plan for how it's going to work. Why this, you know, maybe it's untapped, but it still has to make logical sense. Don't just go and try and do a whole bunch of crazy things just because they're crazy. Nobody else has done it because you're going to waste a whole bunch of time, money, and effort that you're never going to recoup. But if you can find those areas that are untapped, that are niches, that aren't the ones that are being addressed or, or are have for a fertile or fruitful ground, I think it definitely makes sense, especially when you don't have a lot of money and have to be scrappy. Yeah, because if you think you just hit on a perfect, perfect thing, and that is that if someone's not doing it, there might be a reason. Right. Uh, there's there's a fine line between guerrilla marketing and just wasting money. Yep. And I think so. And I think that too often people say, well, I'm going to go do these crazy things that are going to get attention. Well, even if you get attention, it may not be the right attention. It may not be to the right people, or it just may not get any attention, all of which you just, you wasted a whole bunch of time, money, and effort. And so it is that, hey, you need to be methodical. There are, I think, a lot of untapped markets. There are a lot of places where people are getting used to or entrenched and just doing a way of marketing and ever broaden their horizons. So there are plenty of possibilities, but you have to think of, or you have to have a plan in place. We could talk through this all day, and I'm sure it would be an awesome and fun conversation, but it, we are reaching towards the end of the podcast. Um, so as we wrap up, you know, we always talk, we've talked through a lot of things. We've talked through generally, you know, breaking into a legal industry and educating the audience as to why they may not need an attorney. We've talked about different ways of doing guerrilla marketing, whether it's affiliate marketing or a podcast or TikTok or others, and kind of the, that overall concept. And so walking away with a lot of different things that, you know, a startup or a small business could consider or start to do. And, you know, I've been there and you're usually saying, well, that's a lot of great things that I could be doing. I don't have the time bandwidth, money or effort to be doing all of those. 
And so if they could kind of only get started on one thing today, kind of have that one takeaway that at least to have an impact on their business, what would that one thing be? You know, that, that, that's a loaded question. Uh, I would, because there's so many different things that, that everyone has to do, but I would suggest something that I wish I had done a year ago. And, and I've just done it in the last couple of months, build a pitch deck, uh, Google pitch deck and find a way to build your pitch deck. And the reason for that is who knows, you might need to go out and get funding. So that's the first reason you might want it. But the, the main reason is, is it really does bring home and drive home what it is you do, why you do it and why somebody should care. And, and it, because if you do a good pitch deck, you, you touch on your, your financing, your marketing, your operations, you, you've, your founders, you've, you've touched on every single thing in a very short time frame, of course, but, but it's incredibly valuable. And I, again, I wish I had done that a year ago. I only did it this month. Well, I guess it was last month now, but it has been a, an eye-opening experience for me. And I suggest everybody do it right now. No, and I think that that's great. I mean, one thing now, I'll, I'll caveat, I'm not a huge proponent of pitch decks in the sense that you don't need to have the 30-page, long, drawn-out, every possibility, and you're going to go and pitch it to everybody because half the time you're going to pivot, you're going to adjust, you're going to learn new things. and you, So it shouldn't be the, hey, we're going to make the Bible for our business and we're never going to deviate from this. Right. I think, on the other hand, it's going to get there. It's going to force you to sit down, think about what your business is, get some strategy in place, get some or plan in place, understand, you know, what is the everything from competitive landscape? What are our price points? What are our differentiations? How are we going to reach our market? And I think it's a great exercise to walk through. And then it also helps you so that if you are pitching someone, you are reaching out, you are connecting, you're otherwise looking for partners or investors or customers or anything else, you have that solidified in your mind because you've had to go through that exercise. So I definitely think it's a worthwhile exercise just within the context of you need to know why you're doing it. So I think that's a great uh, takeaway and a great piece of advice. Well, if people do want to reach out to you, they want to find out more about your business, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an <laughs> investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Well, you can, if you're trying to be a customer, just learn more about our product, OurDivorce.com. It's always there. If you want to reach out to me directly, Tom.Milligan at OurDivorce.com. Uh, if you want to hear the podcasts, go to MyCrazyDivorce.com or, of course, search for My Crazy Divorce uh, on Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to be a guest on My Crazy Divorce, please go to MyCrazyDivorce.com and click on the Be a Guest button. We'd love to have you. All right. Well, I may not be the best guest because I haven't <laughs> been through divorce and I certainly, fingers crossed, don't want to ever go through divorce. But I definitely encourage everybody, if you have a crazy divorce story, to reach out and, uh, and go on the podcast. It sounds like a great time. We'll have to check it out. So, well, thank you again, Tom, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own expertise you'd like to share, or you have your own journey you'd like to share, or your inventive journey, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Make sure to also like, share, subscribe, um, because we want to make sure that everybody finds out about how to, or all these great expertise, or and how to grow their business, how to be successful, and hear everybody else's journeys along the way. So make sure to, to like, share, and subscribe. Well, thank you again, Tom. It's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Devin. <laughs>